Oh, hi friends. Before we dive into the podcast this week, I have a very special guest here with me, Urs. Hi, Urs. Hi, Steph. I wanted to give you a sneak peek with one of the co-founders of a leadership intensive that the Corker Co. and Urs are working on together coming up this March. And instead of reading about it, I thought you should just hear about it. So Urs, tell us what Into the Wind is. Matt and I are so excited to host a group of kick-ass leaders on Galliana Island at beautiful Bodega Ridge for an intense business and leadership training program. This is specifically for leaders who want to sail their ship stronger and faster. Who doesn't want that? Amen. What I think is super cool is that the two of you have spent intense time, intensive time, in coaching one-on-one leaders, and this is an opportunity to bring people together. And I'm curious of why together is better. When Matt and I were thinking about how can we really accelerate the journey that leaders take from where they are now to where they wanna go, we knew right away that gathering together in the woods for a super deep dive exploration together was gonna be the way. Why is that? Because you can in the moment coach lightning fast, you can get insights from people who get where you are and all that in a focused time away from the boardroom and your day-to-day grind allows you to really point your bow and set your course. Point your bow and sail your ship keel down and how many other sailing metaphors can we come up with? (laughs) You mentioned it's at Bodega Ridge on Galliano Island. So for our Canadian listeners, it's gorgeous. It's West Coast. For our American listeners, Canada is the best and like say no more. We'll make sure this is included in the show notes below. Yet how long is this intensive, Urs? So March 22nd to the 25th, so three nights, four days. And as soon as you get there, we dive right in. Matt and I are both, you know, we've spent thousands of hours facilitating and we are all about curating a very specific experience that we want to bring you. It's incredible. I acknowledge that both you and Matt have spent a lot of time coaching and being yogis and yogi teachers and leaders. Yet what not everyone may know about you is that you also used to actually sail a boat. And I would like to know one metaphor in in the words of only yourself that you relate to learning how to sail with being a leader. Oh gosh, I could go on about this. Uh, And for those of you who know, I sailed around the northernmost part of Vancouver Island. So three meter, big ass swells and crazy wind conditions. And the biggest thing I learned was trust your compass. Mm. And that's going to be one of the principles that guides us for Into the Wind. Oh, it's magic. I got goosebumps. Registration details will be in the show notes below. And this is the first time that this event is happening. And I really commend you because doing things for the first time is tough and a lot of fun. And so way to go on launching. And to our listeners, I hope you jump in and and sign up. Thanks so much, Steph. Matt and I are super stoked for Into the Wind. another podcast brought to you by Team Corker. I am Steph here with an incredible adventurous spirit of Vancouver known as Taryn, or you can find her on the gram as Happiest Outdoors. 
and it couldn't be more exciting to dive into an adventure, adventurous year with an adventurous soul like you. So welcome to the show, Taryn. Thanks so much for having me. So we were actually connected by a dear friend, shout out to Urs. Urs was telling me about some of her adventures and she kept alluding to this happiest outdoors person who she was going on all these fun adventures with. And I was like, what is going on and where are you going? And um, that's how I, I came to know about you. And I was sharing with you just before we hit record that I have properly stalked you online. And I was very <laughs> thrilled when you said you would jump on the podcast. So I want to dive into life outdoors. And perhaps we can start with what helped you make the switch to saying, I no longer want to stay indoors. I truly am happiest outdoors. It was definitely kind of a long process. I've always been, uh, I grew up in a kind of an outdoorsy family, but it wasn't until I went to university that I started going outdoors on my own a lot. And then I kind of followed a traditional career path, you know, went to university, got a law degree, and then I started working in law and I just wasn't very happy. I was indoors a lot working, you know, the work-life balance was not there. And it just decided it was, you know, I was frankly, like I was depressed. Uh, it was not good for my mental health. I, I wasn't having a good time. And um, I decided I needed to make a change in my life and figure something out that was going to give me a better work-life balance. So I, I switched to working in sort of the outdoor retail world, which I did for seven or eight years. And recently I switched again uh, to working for myself, freelance writing and pursuing some of my more outdoorsy passions on my own schedule. Amazing. I'm talking to you in Vancouver right now, but I suspect you have explored far beyond Vancouver. You have an adventure on the horizon. How has geography impacted this for you? Uh, it's funny that you use the word geography because when I was an uh, idealistic undergrad, that's actually what I was studying. I, I have a <laughs> BA in geography and I, for a few years there, thought that what I wanted to do with my life was to make maps. I, I love the idea of thinking about other places and how we represent them, about how everything fits together or, or doesn't. And so really getting to travel and see these places that we read about or look at on maps is a real passion of mine. Cool. So that being said, though, you're not making maps these days. No. But you are traveling a yes. lot. <laughs> yes. um, and some of that is within the Vancouver region and, and some of it is beyond. Yeah, I really... I mean, I do like to travel internationally or within Canada, but really getting to know the local area has been really something that I've enjoyed doing over the last few years. Doing kind of the same hike in different seasons and really noticing how things change, um, getting off of kind of the most beaten path trails and exploring the ones that are maybe not the most you know, aesthetically pleasing or the most Instagrammable, but discovering the history and the ecology there. Mm. Beautiful. You mentioned something that I don't want to look over, and that was you left a job and you went into retail as step one, and then you made another leap seven years later. And here we are, January 2020. It's the time when lots of people are evaluating, am I happy at work? Am I loving what I'm doing? And I'm wondering if you have any thoughts or if you can remember what it felt like to to retire as a lawyer and then to you know retire from retail, if you will, and, and become an entrepreneur. Yeah. So, I mean, I left law 
you know, like, I think like, it's one thing for me to tell this story as like, oh, you know, like it wasn't working. So I, I didn't do it. And I like did make the best decision for myself. And I think that the reality for me, you know, the reality for a lot of people is that it was really hard. Mm. Um, you know, it was really hard to know when to make that decision, to know if it was the right decision, to know if it was actually the thing that was going to make me happy, to know if I had sunk so much of my life and my money and my energy into something, could I just leave it? So it was definitely leaving law was something that was, you know, like was, was really a, a challenge. In retrospect, it was absolutely the right decision. But I mean, there was some regret there at the time. You know, it was something I was, I was passionate about or thought I was passionate about. I really appreciate you sharing that because I think it's so easy to look at people that are now out on their own and especially someone like yourself that, I mean, Instagram and the internet would just make me think that you're living the dream. And while you may be now, it certainly came with some tough decisions beforehand. Yeah. And I think that also, I mean, like the lives we portray online are obviously not reality, right? They're a curated version of ourselves and the life that I portray online you know, it might look like I'm living the dream, but like everybody else, you know, it's a hustle, you know, like I'm, yeah. I'm working hard to make ends meet and uh, to make connections. And I, I don't want anybody to think that, you know, like, oh, quit your job and it'll all just come into place if you do what you love, because mm. that's, that's not true. You have to do, you have to do what you love because then you'll feel okay with working hard to do it. Oh gosh, there's a truth bomb. <laughs> yes. I like that. Um, okay, so tell me about the hustle. Tell me about the hustle of outdoors, of what's on the plate for 2020 when you're hiking hard and hustling hard. Yeah, so I, um, well, I'm going to start 2020 on vacation, which is uh, was pretty exciting. I'm leaving in a few weeks to go house sitting uh, for a friend in Australia, something that I did last year and will do again this year. A good friend of ours lives in Tasmania, which is the island state in the southern part of Australia. And like a lot of people who live in Vancouver, I definitely get affected by our weather here. I have a little bit of seasonal affective disorder, and I find that the lack of sunlight and the rain here, while I do love the rain and I, I, I appreciate what it gives us, I can't wait to escape to Australia for a little bit and have some summer. So that's first up for me. And I think that it's important for, for me and for everybody to recognize the things that you need that are positive for your mental health. And for me, that's that time away in the sunshine at this time of year. Brilliant. Yes. And what's happening on the other side of sunshine? Oh, on the other side of sunshine. Well, more rain. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, in next year, I'll be continuing doing some of the things I'm working on this year. I work with a bunch of freelance clients in the sort of like outdoor and adventure travel space, uh, writing for them, writing my website. Um, my website is my full-time job, which is kind of cool. And then um, the last project that I'm working on and I'll be finishing in 2020 is writing my book, which is a project that has been, I guess, the biggest thing I've ever worked on in my life. I'm three and a half years in, and by the time it's published in 2021, I will be close to five years in, which is huge. That's <laughs> been amazing. That yeah. amount of time on one thing. Of course. So it's going to be a guidebook about backpacking near Vancouver, it's geared for kind of like beginner and intermediate users who want to find places to go backpacking for a weekend or a long weekend within a couple hours of Vancouver. And as a like wilderness educator, outdoor ethics are really important to me. So I wanted to make sure if I was creating a guidebook that directed people to places that are, you know, sort of fragile ecosystems, that I was 
putting something out into the universe that was sort of the most ethical that it can be. So I'm making sure that everything that I include in the book has lots of information about how to leave no trace and respect nature, and that all the locations are places that can withstand increased impact. Mm. So there are places that already have infrastructure in place, or they have a land manager like a park or a club that could work to implement further infrastructure if it was needed. Brilliant. That's incredible. It's so, I mean, five years, it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's birthing a <laughs> child much longer than nine months, bringing something to life and you're doing so in such an incredibly conscious way. And just to know that you will have hiked every path and trail that you're, you're suggesting. How, mm-hmm. how cool. Wow. I want to ask, but I feel like it might be a tough question to answer. Do you have one go-to hike in the Vancouver area that you will never get tired of? Yes. <laughs> I mean, like, like I could qualify with like, oh, I have one go-to hike for this kind of weather. I have one go-to right. hike for this kind of scenery. But I think that probably just Mount Seymour would be mm. my favorite go-to hike, Mount Seymour in North Vancouver. It's not that long. It's very beautiful. It's close to the city. And I really love sort of the granite outcroppings that you get near the peak that you can kind of explore around on there, get a little bit away from the main viewpoint and see a lot of other different viewpoints and perspectives of the city. Mm. You can see both downtown and Vancouver Island, but also to the east from there. It's it's pretty wide angle of view. Mm. And yeah, the rocks up there, just they're, they're my jam. I love them. Amazing. You know, I've always wondered, and i I can vivid, or first I should ask, where are you from, Karen? Where were you born? I'm from New Westminster, BC. I oh. am uh, one of the sort of rare born and bred Vancouverites. I lived away going to law school for three years. I lived in Halifax. It's a beautiful city and it taught me that I don't ever want to live anywhere else. Wow. Halifax is a wonderful place to live, but there's nowhere I'd rather live than Vancouver. Wow, that's pretty cool. So I'm not from Vancouver. I grew up in Toronto and I remember just north of Toronto going into Mountain Equipment Co-op, one of the original Mountain Equipment Co-op shops in Toronto and walking through that store just feeling like everyone was so passionate about every single product in that store and feeling like, you know, how does it ever, does the adventure life ever get tiring? And it felt like (laughs) <laughs> MEC did such a good job of attracting, you know, people that yeah. made the adventure like never seem tiring. And I want to ask you now, you've made this your vocation. You've made the adventure life like truly your way of life. And what's the other side of it? Yeah, I think that's a really good point. So like, you know, we'll be like, I was talking to my husband, like, what are our plans, like hiking plans for next year? And I was saying like, oh, you know, like I'd like to do this trip or that trip because it would be good content for my website Mm. and he's like okay so I'm talking about vacation and you're talking about work and I was like right right your vacation is my work so I have to kind of balance that I mean and like I did a bunch of trips this past summer that were vacation for my husband and my friends that were with me but they were work for me Mm. you know like really what that meant is spending a little bit more time to take notes and take photos and I still had hours out of my day to just enjoy myself Mm. so Long story short, you're not burnt out and you're still up for the hike life and you're still (laughs) bringing people along with you. (laughs) What about five years from now? Not 10, 
not too far out, but what does five years look like for you? I hope in five years, my book will be out and will be successful and I'll be writing another hiking guidebook. I'm not sure what kind, but that's what I'd like to be doing. I'd like to be working, have my blog be, or my website be like a definitely really self-sustaining. So something that I'm having to put less effort into that still brings me the income that I need. And I'd like to be working with higher profile freelance clients. Hmm. So basically Um, taking everything I'm doing now and elevating it. Beautiful. I mean, isn't that the way you hike a mountain? Just one step to the top. (laughs) Literally (laughs) elevating. Yes. Yeah. I like it. You want to elevate. I always say meditate before you litigate but I guess you could meditate before you elevate as well. (laughs) I think that's brilliant. I was hoping that you might say that because when you think of clients that would help elevate you, who are, who are those types of clients or who are brands that you are looking at right now that you think are really elevating the game or the conversation of, you know, really honoring, you know, trails and mother earth for that matter. Yeah. I think like, it's interesting to see like the, the conversation that's happened in the outdoors in the last I mean, even three years, like when I started thinking about equality and access to the outdoors, you know, five or six years ago, it was like, oh man, everybody in the outdoors is so male. Where are the women? And then we started thinking about like, oh, like we need to get more visibility for women in outdoors. And I was like, cool, I'm a female hiker. Like let's, let's bring visibility to that. And then in the last three years or so, you know, it's been like everybody in the outdoors is so white. What can we do to change that? Everybody in the outdoors is so thin and able-bodied. What can we do to change that? So I've really enjoyed following a lot of things that have been happening in outdoor media from MEC, from REI in the States, from Outside Magazine, about looking for ways to tell those stories and make sure that those groups are included. Mm. Um, And I know that in my life, I also, another thing that I do, I guess we haven't talked about is I volunteer as a Leave No Trace educator, Mm. teaching workshops about Leave No Trace and how to respect the wilderness. And so what I've been doing and will be doing more of in 2020 is making sure that I'm reaching groups that historically have not had access to outdoor membership. So LGBTQ groups, Uh, new Canadians, uh, things like that, and seeing if I can work more with them to give them free outdoor workshops because I want to make sure that they feel welcome and included and have the skills that they wouldn't otherwise have access to because they're not, you know, traditionally served by outdoor, outdoor clubs. Right. That's so phenomenal. One of the brands I love, or maybe you even know where this comes from. Do you know who coined the hashtag outside is free? No. I don't know where it came from either now that I'm thinking about it, but uh, I realize as you're speaking that maybe outside isn't so free because if you're not educated or you don't know certain things, it's not the first place you're going to go. Yeah. And, you know, people talk like, oh, hiking is free. I mean, like hiking is free, but you have to get there. You have to have, you know, at least something to wear to get there, you know, like, you know, the proper equipment and, you know, like, and having access to that information or access to a society and a culture that gives you the confidence to do that. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people don't have that. And it wasn't until, you know, a few years ago that I re- recognized the real privilege in my life growing up, having that outdoorsy family, mm-hmm. that that is definitely not the experience for a lot of people. Right. Yeah, it's very true. Very, very true. Well, thank you for that work that you're doing, because I can tell you that 
as a business owner myself, my brother and I are constantly in exactly that conversation, literally for every decision we make within the business. And it brings light to me on how I can be more mindful of that outside of just this box that I call the business. And Mm -hmm. um, sometimes it's, it's hard. Sometimes it's challenging and it really has, I think pushes both of us to think differently. And um, it's conversations like these that I really appreciate, you know, it's, hiking might be free, but I, you know, getting to the bottom of the mountain or the trailhead isn't always free. No. Yeah. Yeah. Super clear. Um, Okay. You mentioned no trace. And as you mentioned these hikes, I can't help but think about how do you train when you're not hiking or what are you doing to keep your body in, in such a state that it can endure and hike as much as you do? I mean, like, I guess the, the nice answer is like, I just hike a lot (laughs) and I run and I walk a lot of places. The sort of like more truthful answer is like, I don't really do anything special and maybe I should (laughs) (laughs) because like, yeah, like, like everybody else, like my body breaks down sometimes if I don't treat it well. Yeah. I had a bad ankle sprain at the beginning of the year last year that like, yeah, it, and it went from like, oh, I sprained my ankle. That's unfortunate to, oh, I sprained my ankle. That impacts my business. Right. Like that's something we can't have happen again. Right. Like, right. <laughs> yeah, totally. Okay. The second thought that I had, and these are my favorite questions, the ones at the back of my head, I wonder if other people think too, um, is your go-to hiking snack. What do you always pack with you? Or what would you like not leave home without in terms of snacks? Uh, I mean, like, I think... On a day hike, I can do without it, but on a multi-day hike, if there's mm-hmm. no chocolate, I am not going to be pleased. Oh, very good. Yeah. Okay, but what about the summertime heat? Does the chocolate melt? It does. Dark chocolate is a little bit less melty and okay. keeping it kind of in the middle of the pack and keeping your, not leaving your pack in the sun, you, you mm. can make it last. Okay. Okay. I like it. Chocolate for the win. And cheese, actually. That's the other perishable thing that I don't think I very rarely will go without cheese. Oh, interesting. It's not something I would have thought at top of the list. Yeah. There's like a whole strategy towards bringing cheese on multi-day hikes. Like you Mm. like eat the softer cheeses first and save like the harder, more packaged cheeses for later. And like, if it's a really long trip, you might have some cheese free days the last few days and (laughs) I'll cry about it, but it'll be okay. (laughs) I love it. You just made me think one of my favorite hiking snacks are chocolate covered pretzels. And there's actually Mm. a specific brand from Trader Joe's in the US and it's just like that sweet salty blend and there's something in the chocolate that they don't melt and it's probably called the chemical but I dig it (laughs) (laughs) oh bless well we will ensure that um, there's links in the show notes of where people can find you I was so mesmerized I got lost on your website the work that you do to keep that up to date and everything from the apres to the hike to the instagrammable to the non-instagrammable I just love it and I just really appreciate that there are people like you who care to follow their heart to work hard for something that they love. And it's really in our benefit. So oh, thank you. Thank you for that. We wrap every podcast at Team Corker with our favorite question. And that is what is currently making your heart beat faster, Taryn? I think the idea that I've got this vacation coming up, but specifically about this vacation coming up is the idea that I will soon get to spend time 
looking at my beloved Australian animals. They are so weird and so cool. <laughs> and I love watching wildlife anywhere in the world. It's one of the real big reasons I get outdoors. And mm-hmm. the wildlife in Australia is just so neat. Oh, that's awesome. And you couldn't be more right. It is totally weird. And like birds that attack you and all of the above, right? <laughs> yeah. Wombats, cubes. <laughs> Look it up. They poop in cubes. Oh, I just learned something new. <laughs> <laughs> Square poops. Who yeah. knew? It's a thing. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, goodness. Well, thank you for your time. All the best in 2020. May the book be completed with a whole lot of heart. And Team Corker's following you. Can't wait. Great. Thank you so much. It's been fun. Talk soon.